I'm amazed how many people own stocks. Welcome to the Playing Footsie Podcast. My name's Paul, and each episode, me and the lads get together to talk about the stocks, stock market news, and finance in general. Quick disclaimer, you shouldn't consider anything in this podcast as personal financial advice. If you need such advice, go to a financial advisor. And please remember, when investing in any form, your capital is at risk. So sit back, relax, and let the lads fill you in with all the stock market news of the week. The sucker's going up. Welcome back, everyone, to the fifth annual Playing Footsie podcast. Uh, today, I'm joined by Steve W. Now, I can't do it. Right, welcome, everybody, to the Playing Footsie podcast. Uh, we have Steve W. and Steve D. with me today everybody's ill uh, well at least uh steve w might not be ill but we're, we're the rest of us are all ill so we're we're trying to keep it all together right now um today we've got a big show for you i'm going to talk to these guys in a second but we've got a couple of earnings that we want to talk about a couple of 13 f's that came out this week as well and uh, a bit of news and i think we've got a game from steve w so starting off uh steve d how you been this week and uh, what's your week in stocks been like? Um, not too bad. I am ill. Uh, I can confirm I am what the Steve that is ill. Um, so it's been a pretty sort of slow week for me, just kind of watching the watching the markets. I haven't done an awful lot until yesterday um, when a couple of bargains appeared, which I think Steve's got a little bit of information on, so I won't steal his thunder. Uh, I nearly took some profit on Amazon just to free up a little bit of extra cash, and I'm really glad I didn't today because it's up about 3%, which I think is just going to rub a little bit more salt into Steve's wounds. So I will hastily pass on to him. And uh, Steve, how's your week been? Um, so this week, I, I, I think I might be suffering from FOMO a little bit. Uh, this week, I have to admit, because I am, in fact, ill. I didn't want to be the only one who wasn't. Uh, so uh, I've, I've got a bit of a cold. There's nothing I can't really manage with, and I'm still working and so on and so forth. But I would like to point out that it's not just the other two that are ill here. I am also uh, mildly unwell. Um, but yes, yeah, yesterday I did an amount of buying like Steve that would make Charlie Munger uh, probably collapse if he knew who either of us was uh, or cared. Um, but yeah... Uh, a couple of interesting earnings reports came out in the last week or so that have got me uh, going. So two things that were on my watch list are Compass Minerals, um, which we have uh, talked about on a previous podcast. They're a salt mining and sulfate of potash speciality fertilizer outfit. They, uh, their share price collapsed because they've cut their dividend. Uh, not because they can't afford it, just because they want to try and buy some other stuff with their dividend money. Uh, I think that's a decent idea, but the most people who own it owned it because it had a massive dividend, so in the bin that one goes. Uh, and the other one that's been catching my eye that was on my watch list and is now in my portfolio uh, was is um, Stoneco, uh, which is a Brazilian payments firm uh, that, well, they released their earnings and they were good, I thought. Um, there was a large-ish thing on them that was causing some consternation and the share price is down about i think it's now down below about twenty dollars it was around pushing it around 30 or so so about a third has come off there um and uh, just to, to be entirely clear here yes i did use some of my spare amazon cash to uh lose what was a small fraction bit uh and bring myself back down to round numbers and i've pushed it into a combination of those two things no yeah, lovely but, so gone I, I also bought, bought Stoneco on the dip. It, it was uh, I got um, I got a, an alert from my favorite app Discord. Um, Steve going wow Stoneco, and I was like, okay, this is interesting. Let's go and have a look. I jumped on and it was down. I think about thirty five percent. Steve, I think off the top of my head was the, the number I remember seeing. I thought, well, I've got to have some of this. Had a quick look at the earnings really just to see what the problem was, and the vast majority of uh, the issue seems to be that uh, Banco Inter, which is a very large um, Brazilian bank. Stoneco took a 5% chunk of Banco Inter, kind of trying to woo uh, Banco Inter's customers onto its um, onto its platform. And uh, the Brazilian economy has obviously fared quite poorly during um, coronavirus and continues to do so. Um, so they've taken a massive write down in the value of that stock. And generally, that's the only issue that I could really see. Um, so if that's the only issue, that sounds very short term to me. Um, 
I'll happily be in at uh, twenty dollars, and 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 I doubled down again this this morning, doubled the position on it. So, I also bought Mastercard as well, Paul, because I don't know whether you'd seen that that I'd had a nice little four percent drop. So I realised uh, I'm up a hundred percent in Unity, so I, I just took a few shares off of that and and put them into uh, into Mastercard, which just feels like you know taking from exuberism and adding to safety. Yeah, the MasterCard Visa thing is a bit uh, of an odd one. It is literally only the Visa credit cards in the UK that have been banned from Amazon. But as soon as you see Amazon in a title, and it's happened with so many co companies recently, um, as soon as Amazon steps into your territory or, or causes a bit of jip with you, your stock price plummets. And that's what's happened to Visa right now. We weren't going to talk about Visa, but I've got quite a lot on it, to be honest with you. So I, I'm so surprised. I mean, it only went down about 5%, but MasterCard probably shouldn't have gone down the same amount uh, with it because the MasterCard credit card, which is uh, run by Amazon, is still on there, and uh, you get bombarded by that. I think today I bought something on Amazon, and they offered it. They offered the item free with a £50 Amazon voucher on top if I signed up to the Amazon credit card at the same time. So I'm wondering if they're using the UK as a sort of test case to try and boot Visa off, but there's a lot to this as well. And what do you think of Visa and MasterCard? Do, do these big companies need us anymore? Is crypto coming to destroy Visa and MasterCard? Is Square and PayPal coming to destroy Visa and MasterCard? Have you got any thought on that on your top, off the top of your head? No, I think that they're not coming to uh, destroy these things in particular, but I do think that Visa and MasterCard are going to need to and going to want to uh, show some sort of flex in terms of partnering uh, with stuff. I think the biggest threat comes from kind of blockchain, um, for what it's worth. Uh, so effectively, when we think about Square and we think about PayPal and we think about Stoneco as well, which we're talking about here, as well as Visa and MasterCard, they're basically all trying to do a similar job, which is get in between the place that money's going from and the place that money's going to. Um, and the more you can get kind of flowing through your uh, system there, uh, the, the better it is for any particular company. And it's going to come down effectively to who can move things fastest and cheapest and best. Uh, blockchain being the kind of biggest disruptor for this. Uh, pretty much all of this, by the way, is being plagiarized from the Motley Fool podcast. Um, so I have now uh, provided a reference, which means it's not plagiarism anymore. But I would recommend <laughs> having a listen to that one. It was on the uh, MasterCard Visa earnings when Visa and MasterCard started coming down a little bit, uh, so a couple of weeks back now. Um, and they were suggesting that there's... The, the idea that Visa and MasterCard really need to watch out because disruptors are coming might be just a little bit too quick in terms of its thinking here. Yeah, I do wonder about the the earliness of this, and I do wonder what Visa and MasterCard can do, particularly Visa. I think they are making the shift towards the blockchain cryptocurrency kind of thing, and I, I want to think that they're going to be slightly insulated from it, but it's very hard to think that a company that makes its money from... Uh, the transition of money from one to the other, like you've said, is go how that's going to make money from a system that is aiming to remove that completely, remove a middleman, remove a payment system completely. So I, 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 I do struggle, and it's something that I've kind of fought with, with for the past few weeks with Visa, and I, I did hover over the sell button a little bit on it and um yeah i'm still thinking that one through i never make any decisions quickly i must admit but let's get on with the actual show we've done actually <laughs> you know eight minutes there and we didn't even know we were going to be doing that eight minutes so let's start with the game we always love to play a little game and i think steve w's got the game this week yeah the game's called paul how's your week been oh my <laughs> week um i have been at undisclosed locations where I haven't been able to film. Uh, so you might see some videos coming out this week, uh, which just don't include me at all. And I'm just kind of uh, talking in the back of my car. Uh, but actually, the, the week um, has been odd uh, for my stocks. It's been a... Uh, I, I've lost quite a bit, but I've, I've it's kind of been the, the barbells happening again, where... Some of the stocks come uh, start to rise a little bit as some of them start to fail. So where Visa started to fail, we had Tyson, we had Digital Realty, lots of stocks which brought it back up. And it, it it's kind of been an odd one. I don't know if you guys are feeling the barbell a little bit. 
No, well, I wasn't until a couple of days ago. Um, it's been plain sailing for me uh, all the way up to all time highs, and then I've been like whack a mole. I've I've reared my head, and the the hammer has struck me. Um, so I'm back down to this sort of like you know where where I've been for quite a while, re- really. So um, at the moment, there's there's really not a lot to to say in my portfolio. We we have a bit of a running joke in the um, the Discord. Don't whether you guys have seen it that. Uh, my portfolio has finished at about sixty-four and a half thousand every month for the last four months, and we're heading back that back down that way uh, to finish <laughs> for a fifth month. I think that is it. I think that is my resistance. But that's good. Uh, and to be fair, if I looked back, I'd probably be pretty similar. I think so. Uh, yeah, maybe it's just the stagnation and the movement of the market right now because. They, they, we have been making a lot of different decisions going from reopening stocks and now we're going, we've gone to the safety stocks and now we're in something in between where, well, if you look at Tesla and Rivian and NVIDIA and God knows what else, are we just in a hype phase right now, which I'm really scared of? Um, it's, it's an odd well, one. It's a large cap hype phase, phase as well because the small caps yep. have taken a bit of a beating today. Um, so it is a very strange market at the moment. Mm, definitely okay let's get on with that game what, what's going on yep okay game time uh so this week's game is all about the peg ratio um so the peg ratio here for anyone that's not heard of it is about the price earnings ratio against the growth rate uh so the, re- the general thought here is that look companies um valuing them according to their price earnings ratio overlooks the fact that their earnings might shoot up uh so a company that hasn't been trading for very long is growing its earnings at a really fast rate uh, would have naturally a higher price earnings multiple than a company that's kind of bigger and a bit more steady, uh, especially one that's kind of giving away most of its money again in dividends or has kind of reached its full scale. The way to kind of correct for this, or at least one idea of how to correct for this from Peter Lynch, says, look, compare the price earnings rate to the anticipated forward growth rate. Um, and his idea is that we ought to be looking for a price earnings to growth rate where the growth bit is bigger than the price earnings. So when you divide them, you get a number that's below one, uh, basically. So below (laughs) one uh, is what a rational person ought to buy one way or another. Uh, We'll see uh, about some of that. I mean, there are some limitations to this, I think, uh, that are fairly obvious, and they might come out as we go along. But we can, um, I mean, for one thing, it only applies to companies that have PE ratios, so nothing that Steve owns. But um, I'm screwed. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, I had a look earlier um, this week at the peg ratio on the S&P, uh, for what it's worth. Uh, I'll give you a sporting chance and point out that that'll be the tiebreaker uh, for when this comes. But if you pick a number between 1 and 10, uh, I'll tell you two socks. Uh, you tell me which one has a higher or lower peg ratio. Ooh, ratio. nice, Ooh. nice. Because there are... There, uh, I've, yeah. Where, where's my fast graph lines, man? Because this, this is this is what it's all about, and I think you've picked it because of that. I think, but um, go on, then I'll go first. Uh, so you want two numbers? Uh, I'll go one. Uh, and two. No, 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 no. Oh, I you just want, want one. one number. Sorry, I've got one number there. Yeah. Uh, number one. Okay, so this time I have paired them up for you, by the way, which is why I'm after one number. So the pair of uh, stocks behind number one uh, is mid-sized industrial trucking outfit Landstar. Uh, and large-sized industrial railway unit, uh, Union Pacific. Which of those has a lower peg? I mean, you can tell me which one has a higher one if you like, and I'll work it out from there. But lower is better, so tell me which one's better. <laughs> oh, God. Union Pacific is... Um, ah, where are we hitting for that? That you, that would usually trade just under, probably around a 10-peg ratio. I'm going to go for Landstar. Uh, a 10 peg ratio as a higher uh, sorry as a higher uh, sorry um i'm thinking in the form of the future uh it, oh. it'll be at it'll be a 10 pe but versus the growth rate it stays at that 10 so the lower one would be union pacific uh the lower one would be union pacific is incorrect oh i'm joking uh, i was hovering over the this... wrong button <laughs> <laughs> uh, so all of the data for this has been whipped off of uh, Finimize, so I'm using a trailing price earnings ratio and a five-year growth projection. But yeah, Landstar trailing at 20.66 for PE, Union Pacific at 25, Landstar to grow at 21.8, which gives it a peg under one. 
Um, and Union Pacific to grow at 16.14, giving it a peg of 1.6. The Union Pacific is the higher wow. one. Uh, so out luck. there. So out. This is tough. Look at number seven. Lucky number seven. Okay, Steve. Uh, here's something that you might like. Um, because they do have PE ratios, but only just. Uh, tech, software, workplace, workflow, thing of me, service now. Um, and uh, tech, bio, uh, drug company tech, Viva. Mm, I don't really have a lot to go on here. <laughs> Two companies I know nothing about. I've looked at ServiceNow um, and I've gone, I, I, I can't understand it. ServiceNow's ex-CEO is Frank Slootman, and he's gone on to run Snowflake. Um, he was big on uh, he was big on growth, and he did really get growth going. Viva, I don't know a lot about it. That's one of yours. Sort of, I, I expect that'll be on a list later, Steve. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with... I'll go with service now. I think that's probably got the higher. Oh, I'm really annoyed at the amount of my future list that Steve is getting here. Um, well, just to spite you, not just to spite you, in point of fact, uh, you are also wrong. Uh, uh, ServiceNow has a price earnings ratio that is very, very difficult to get a peg number that's low on. Uh, it does have a trailing price earnings ratio of 626. So you need to grow at quite a rate... Uh, uh, to get yourself up to a, a reasonable peg on that. And they're going to grow at 26%, apparently. But that does give them a peg ratio of 24, <laughs> uh, which is quite high. Viva has a price earnings of a mere 114, um, with uh, EPS growth of 17.87 for a peg ratio of just 6.39. Uh, never mind. Next one, Paul. I did say service nails would be higher. Oh, did you? <laughs> I did, yes. Oh, my apologies. You are correct then. I was thought you were telling me we had the better one. Uh, have yourself a point. <laughs> In your first poll. <laughs> and I'll go for number six. Number six. Uh, okay, so here's um, two that you probably have heard of. Uh, so there's utility company Next Era. Uh, mm -hmm. And Ooh. there's uh, limited partnership Next Era Energy Partners. Right. <laughs> okay. So, there's not a lot I can, can apply to this because I'm simply going what, by what company I think has got the highest growth rate here, and that would be NextEra. So, NextEra Partners will be the lower one. Have I thought uh, that through right? The other way around. <laughs> Hang on, right. So I'm starting to get annoyed by my own game here. Uh, which one are you telling me has a lower <laughs> peg ratio? I'm going to tell you that <laughs> Energy Partners has the lower peg ratio. That's what I'm going to I'm go. Pretty with. sure you worked that out exactly the wrong way round, and you are correct. Yeah, yeah I think I have. <laughs> no, 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 no. I've got that right. No, I've got that right. <laughs> you said that Next Era had a higher growth rate, which is wrong, and therefore would have a higher peg ratio which is also wrong yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. um uh, fine so <laughs> if anyone wants to go away and google the peg ratio because we've now confused you about this uh yeah means, sorry we haven't explained this one very well either the problem with that well, i thought i did but uh <laughs> the problem with next era is it trades on a price earnings ratio of 70 um which eventually means it has a peg ratio of 7.9 next era partners uh the mlp version um, trades on 31 and a half times, which is peg ratio of 1.17, which is sort of close to the desirable one mm. here. Uh, well done of a sort, Paul. <laughs> Steve? Ten. Ten. All right. Um, here's two that uh, everyone's heard of then. Um, second biggest company in the S&P 500, Apple. Um, and, oh, I should probably clarify this a little bit, but uh, increasingly shrinking uh Entertainment company Disney, and I'll point out I looked these up on Tuesday. If that's any help, Steve. Um, I I would assume that Apple of the those two has the lower peg ratio. Mm -hmm. You would assume correctly. 
Uh, they trade on very similar PEs, these two. So both in the 26s when I uh, looked at them on Tuesday. Apple with a 15% growth rate, Disney with a 7-ish percent growth rate uh, forecasting anyway. So lower peg is Apple. I yeah. thought the PE ratio would be much higher on Disney. Yeah, so it seems. But um, hmm. The PE needs to be between 12 and 14, doesn't it, Steve, for Disney? does yeah uh you can't have disney with a, well premium multiple of 18 is acceptable apparently yeah and so long as the revenue growth is between one two or three percent we're just we're just throwing shade here by the way paul people who know will know <laughs> but we're too gutless to call anybody actually out so uh, yeah. next question paul gabriel uh number five uh five okay um see how you go with some mining companies uh so Again, this is from uh, Tuesday, where things were a little bit different to how they are now. But Compass Minerals, uh, the aforementioned salt mining outfit, um, and Barrick, the once Berkshire Hathaway-owned gold miner before someone got old of Ted and Todd and gave him a slap and told him to put that back again. <laughs> put that back on um, the shelf. Who's great? Well, for the fact that I don't know anything about really these two companies, and the fact that you guys have both been looking at Compass Minerals, I'm going to say that Compass Minerals is going to have the higher peg ratio in this situation. That's all I. That's all I can know. Higher peg ratio. Mm. No, sorry, lower peg ratio. Sorry. We're, uh, yeah, we're you aiming are right. to tell the. We're aiming to say who's got the best growth. It's the lower peg ratio. Sorry. Yeah, basically you are correct uh, on this occasion. <laughs> um, uh, basically the problem, it has a much, much higher PE as well, or it did on Tuesday anyway, it doesn't now. Uh, it's got an even better peg ratio, probably brings it down to close to one and a half, I would guess, at the moment. Um, but it was trading at around 64 times earnings because they've had uh, massive operational issues with their main salt mine. Um, Barrick, on the other hand, trades on a very low PE, but isn't going to grow at all. Uh, over the next five years, apparently. So uh, that gives it a horrendous PE. Okay. Um, oh, sorry, peg ratio. Uh, <laughs> Steve? Eight. Eight. Um, okay, two of your favourites, Steve. Uh, Meta Platforms, as it's now called. Um, mm -hmm. And Pinterest. Um, Ooh, okay, so I do know... I do know the peg ratio for one of these companies. Oh. Um... I think the peg ratio of Pinterest is about two and a half. So all I've got to get is whether Facebook is less, which I have to assume it is, uh, but it's then the growth. Mm. No, I'm, Facebook's peg is going to be lower. Facebook's peg is going to be lower. You are You're correct. You're basing on that, that on the P ratios. Yeah, oh, and good. growth. But I don't think the growth, I don't think Pinterest's growth is much more than, you know, not massively more than Facebook. It's not treble or anything like that. So, yeah. yeah. In my head, it's there, I like had treble. massive PE ratio for, is it not? No, I had, in my head, PE ratio for Pinterest was going to be ridiculously high. And a couple of hundred. Going to be, the growth was going to be higher than Facebook as well. But if they're the same, then, uh, <clears> yeah, well done. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, growth is similar. It's fractionally <laughs> higher on Pinterest. It's about 10% higher. Um, but PE ratios are, are quite different, making um, Facebook be significantly better by according to peg ratios. I mean, this depends a bit, a lot, in fact, on estimates. So standard garbage in, garbage out rules here, right? I mean, if you think something is going to happen to Facebook to mm -hmm. disrupt that growth story, uh, you would be ill-advised to just point at the peg number uh, and then say, well, this is all going to be fine. Okay, Paul. Is the peg base? Uh, are, they, mm -hmm. are you finding these peg ratios based on analyst estimates rather than um, historical earnings growth? Yes. So uh, I'm looking at forward oh, okay. uh, growth here, or yeah. at least what Findex uses, fair. which I think is a consensus estimate from somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, number three. Number three. He's written okay. down. Let's uh, try out these two for you then. I'm writing these down. I've got nothing to write this down with. I'm guessing I thought you... <laughs> I'll just guess that one. Sorry, carry on. Uh, so behind number three, we have um, your favourite topic, uh, chip companies. Uh, you'll be pleased oh, to hear, though, neither of them is fun. 
KLA, uh, <laughs> neither of them is ASML. Um, see what you think Mike of these. Rock. Nope. Uh, Intel, <laughs> for one of them. Okay. Lovely. And Qualcomm for another one. Oh, that's toughie. Two, in the eyes of the world, really crap companies at the moment. Um, so Qualcomm probably is quite... Uh, has quite a high PE ratio and relatively high growth ratio in comparison to Intel. Intel is probably at a PE of 10 right now, roughly, uh, with a growth of around 5 to 7%. How do you work on that? How do you figure out which one's going to be the better one? I'm going to go that you've thrown this one in on a difference and i'm going to say that intel has the higher peg ratio because it seems like it shouldn't you are correct <laughs> um yes one of the things that i kind of found when i was looking at some of these is that some stocks that kind of sound cheap based on their pe ratios don't seem so cheap when you start talking about peg uh, the estimate I saw for Intel's growth is a little bit worse than you were uh, imagining. It was more sort of three and a half percent than okay. five to seven, and uh, it's on a yeah, it's on a PE of just short of ten when I looked, um, and that gives it a peg ratio of about three times, which is actually quite high for a stock that is supposedly cheap, right? Mm. Um, once you start factoring in growth here, things start looking a little bit different. Qualcomm has some pretty optimistic-looking growth forecasts. I was surprised at this. It has a peg of under one. Um, it's trading on 21 times and has a forecasted growth of 30. All oh, right. I thought the ratio would be higher than that. The PE ratio was going to be higher than that. Ah, you, are you taking mm. a look at Qualcomm then? That sounds like an interesting one to look at. Uh, so Qualcomm is a company I keep hearing about mentioned in 5G terms, and in fact, even 6G terms, and whatever that is. They're the company that people interview when they want to say 6G is coming fast on the heels of 5G. Uh, and this increases my sense of not really understanding quite what's going on at this company and quite what <laughs> it does. Uh, my, my poor brain is still struggling to cope with 5G stuff, if I'm honest with you. Uh, <laughs> and working out exactly the Qualcomm moat and exactly how fast all these things kind of change and move and so on is still very much a work in progress for me. Um, but the, there's good numbers as a temp, put it that way. <laughs> Number nine. Number nine. Uh, defense. Uh, sort of defense. More aerospace than defense, actually. Have a choice between Northrop Grumman, uh, the defense contractor, and uh, probably your favorite airline-related company, Steve, Aircap. Oh, God. Just so everybody knows, when Steve said defense, uh, for those on Spotify, there was a shrug of resignation from my shoulders. <laughs> um, you can do this. You know about Aircap. I do know about Aircap, but I don't know anything about Northrop. Um... I know it's quite big. Does that help? So it's quite big. It's probably growing fairly slowly. Aircap. Ah, you see, Aircap probably has good forecasts for growth. I didn't realise Aircap were back being profitable there. Um, so they could be trading on a, on a quite wild PE. I, I know I'm going to go for Aircap, but simply because I think Aircap's got a hell of a lot of growing to do. So the Aircap's going to be the cheaper. So you're less, telling me, sorry, that Aircap has the Is that a lower lesser peg. peg? Yeah. The lower peg. No. Um, Aircap has the <clears throat> highest peg of, oh no, sorry, the second highest peg out of anything on this board because its growth rate for the next five years is forecast at half a percent. Oh, really? Um, yup. And even when you're, when you're on a price-earnings ratio of nine, and uh, it's trading below book as well, I think, um, it's the kind of financial that tends to do that, uh, that gets you to a peg of 18, and I wonder how suitable... Um, well, I was going to say that, I wonder how suitable peg ratios are for financial companies, but actually a lot of things with low pegs are banks. Sorry, Steve, go on. I was going to say, that's crazy, because Aircap pretty much spent the whole, well, whole since coronavirus taking on tons and tons of debt to buy off all the planes from companies that couldn't fly them to lease them back to them. So you would assume that there is there is growth there, but perhaps they've they've done all the growing they were going to do, and from from this point onwards, it's it's no more growth. 
Mm, maybe. I'm not sure uh, quite what the story there is. I would need to dig into those kind of estimates. I mean, it's one that's historically been interesting, but at the moment I have other ideas going on because, well, things seem to be falling out of the sky, so to speak, uh, in the stock market a little bit. <laughs> uh, you like, do you want a hint? No, no. Do you want a hint? No. It was a famous TV show with Kiefer Sutherland in it. They're the only two numbers that are left, I think. <laughs> Number two, then. <laughs> <laughs> Number two is available. Uh, you like two, Paul. This is this is in your arc. Um, mm. I, I so, don't know what's in my arc these days. Well, the, in your arc, in my head anyway, is uh, CVS um, and Medtronic. Yeah, lovely. So um, Medtronic, I think I looked at that the other day, growing quite slowly and has quite a high PE. I'll, I want to say it's like 26 the p uh, is of Medtronic at the moment. So, based on that, because CF CVS does have quite a reasonable growth rate going in, I think it's around 7% or so, and at a quite a low p trading at a low valuation, CVS would be the lower peg ratio at the moment. Everything you said was wrong apart from the answer. No, uh, right. You're correct. Uh, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait. What? There's no way. Uh, based on what I've got written here, Medtronic's trading around 41, not 26. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, fair enough. Uh, CVS has a growth rate of around five and a bit. Oh, okay, so you're kind of right in thinking that CVS has a... Well, it, has, it might have a low PE. It depends who you ask. Um, if you ask Steve or me, it probably does. It's at just over 16 or so. Uh, if you ask the guys at Everything Money, uh, then that's actually kind of a premium uh, multiple mm. here. But yeah, that's um, Amazon. That's Amazon that's correct levels. answer here. Mm. I'm just looking through Medtronic Steve. right now, actually. It, has Medtronic gone non-unprofitable? That's a bit odd. I wasn't aware <laughs> it had. When I read it, it said 41 on Tuesday. Um, yeah, but that's that seems pretty high. Maybe I maybe I looked at it as uh, normal PE ratio is around 26. Interestingly, then. that doesn't seem that high to me for a devices company. They tend to be things that people can quite easily work out and moat on. So once you get one stuck into a hospital or something, hospitals are unlikely to change on it much. And it feels to me like you then get servicing costs and lots of other... These are kind of obviously attractive business models to me. So when I think of some of the things with big PEs, I tend to think, yeah, devices, uh, medical devices is a, is a good candidate for those things. Yes, yeah, fair. Four. Well done, Steve. Um, uh, okay, choose between Starbucks and Yum China. <laughs> I do love some KFC. Well, I did when I could test it. What's the score, Steve? Uh, I have you as level. I have you as getting one wrong each. Bollocks. Mm -hmm. I don't know the answer to this at all. Um, <clears throat> Yum China, there's probably some growth there. Starbucks, very saturated, high PE, probably not growing very fast, but had the downturn last year. Mind you, so did Yum. <laughs> Let's Tough. go with Yum oh, China having the lowest peg ratio. Oh, thank God for that! You are wrong. Oh, <laughs> that's the one. I, that's the one I'd have gone with as well. That's the one I'd have gone. It's with. the one I'd have gone with as well. It's another one of these ones where I traditionally think of that as the kind of better value proposition at the moment. I've been partly because its share price has been depressed a little bit by various concerns about investing in China and so on, but not enough. Um, not enough to drive its um, peg below Starbucks. Starbucks is actually looking at some quite punchy. Uh, growth numbers they're looking at sort of 30 odd percent somehow which is uh, enough to give it Wrong. quite a low peg number um, <clears throat> a peg number of 1.09 which if you can stand up such assumptions then yeah fair enough I mean Starbucks has been growing fairly well it's an interesting sort of stock that we'll come back to on a separate podcast uh, but um, yeah in this case uh, our winner here by Somehow managing to say nearly everything that was incorrect, but scoring more points is oh, uh, Paul. Yeah, that's that's not true. I work. That's not true. <laughs> I worked out the CBS <laughs> thing. I thought we were drawing though. I thought it was going to go to. Um, I thought it was going to go to the. Um... <laughs> the title. This is how little I'm missing sometimes. Uh, I thought that was going to the tiebreaker because I thought we were drawing. 
Oh, so you were Googling what the peg ratio of the S&P was? <laughs> yeah, well, I want to I wanted Google it now. What's the, pe- what's the peg it's ratio of the S&P? Just over two and a half. Two and a half. Two and yeah, a half. It's got to be two. Just over two and a half. Not uh, a little bit... That's not as high as I thought it would be, uh, which is quite So we're saying that game was called Peter Lynch's Favourite Pegs. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Lynch's yeah, peg it's, bag. It, it's it's a good it's a good one. I just feel like I, I've got to think right-handed on that one because you've got to go. Okay, that's the opposite of that one. So that one's lower, and that's the opposite of that one. And Fair it just enough, kind of yeah. drives my head you drives my to, head around a bit. It was a, it's tough actually to work out. I think because you've got to kind of know the growth rates of two companies you may not have heard much about, and that makes it very difficult. What I found fun mm. though is you can sort of. You can sort of have a guess at the, at the growth rate and then you can sort of figure out what people are thinking about it at the moment and then go, <laughs> okay, if they, those two are close together, then that's more likely to be the lower growth rate and uh, um, lower peg ratio. And uh, it's, it's, I think it's a fun one. I just feel uh, you, have to, you have to think a bit right-handed, left-handed at that one. But let's move on right now to uh, Johnson & Johnson, I think, uh, uh, was one of the big stories this week because it's going to split, and that's kind of in the dividend investor, the the uh, blue chip kind of investor, vested style. What do we think about Johnson and Johnson uh, splitting up? Is is it going to add value to the share for their shareholder, which is what a lot of people were saying? I think it might. Um, so Johnson & Johnson is one that we talked about a little while back. I and mean, effectively what they're doing is separating out their consumer products business uh, from their medical devices slash um, pharma business, basically. Uh, and it feels to me like what they're doing is unloading the bit that's something of a liability uh, or at least a potential liability in the future. So a couple of weeks ago, we discussed a bunch of lawsuits coming at Johnson & Johnson uh, directed at the kind of consumer arm and we were discussing kind of legal moves that they might make to try and avoid that one way or another uh spinning out the kind of entire consumer business might be a way of doing it because it feels like those lawsuits would be directed very much at the kind of consumer uh, arm which even in a conglomerate is its own kind of thing um so i wonder whether there's a bit more of that uh kind of at play here in this decision to separate out because it's not like some of these other spin-offs that we've seen from pharmaceutical companies recently Yes, and interesting because prior to the announcement of the split, um, you also had the medical devices part of the company was actually kind of delayed. I think they've been it by two years. I want to, I think it's called Ottava. That's the sort of medical devices company. I think it's a robot, a uh, surgical robot that's going to uh, intuitive circle uh, surgical and medtronic actually but they've delayed that by two years and that was why the johnson johnson price was starting to fall off a little bit that's as far as i could tell and now you've got this spin-off news which which sent it sent the price upwards as far as i can tell but i must admit I'm somewhere in the middle here, and I'm tempted to sell this at this point, not for any real fundamental reason though, and it's it's that's what's what's kind of jarring me a little bit. I don't want to just go and sell a a company just because of that. But basically, what I, the way I've seen it is that they're spinning off one company, which is essentially going to be Unilever. It's going to be quite laden with debt, and it's going to have a quite a low profit margin. And then you're going to keep the two other companies, one which includes this Ottawa, I think it's Ottawa, Ottawa, something like that it was, this robot medical devices company, which uh, earns about 80 billion a year compared to the others, which earn like 1 billion a year in earnings. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of tempted. See, after seeing the Orion spinoff from Realty Income, earlier this week and see seeing what that's done to that share price do you in case you haven't noticed the orion spin-off has just gone dreadfully i think it's down 10 15 percent already just in this week i kind of don't want that company i don't want that spin-off company so maybe it's a good idea for me to come out of it wait and then if i feel like i want to get back into johnson and johnson then that would be the opportune time at that at, at that moment Be, because i'm gonna get lumbered with this spin-off and 
I, f- I feel like people won't want that bit of the company. <clears throat> Just in case we haven't really explained it very well for the UK users, I think yeah. you, it's key to know that Johnson & Johnson has been split up basically into Boots and Boots Pharmacy. Um, <laughs> it, it's an odd move, really, basically because there's <clears throat> the medical devices and the prescription drug side of the business are, is a, is probably a lot more riskier than the the sort of the consumer products side. So consumer products, they have things like Aveeno, Neutrogena, Band-Aid. I think they have Tylenol as well in there, which is going with the, the household products. Um, but it's mostly generics now. There's nothing here with a patent. Um, so that's an interesting little business on itself. That will continue to be the Johnson & Johnson probably as you know it. This other company is more growthy, more risky. It's a faster growing division. It's prescription drugs, it's medical devices, it's the COVID-19 vaccine that they've produced. So it's it's interesting. But one of the things that really stuck out to me is that this has been, this decision has been made by Alex Gorski and he's leaving Johnson & Johnson um, in February. I think he's already joined Apple's board of directors, which is where he's going. Um, so have you ever seen a split of a company like this where the CEO says, oh, and I'm off as well? It's a very <laughs> odd move. Some Somebody's got to come into this business and, and basically they've got a, you know, they, they, they've got a, a completely different business. So, you know, potentially two businesses um, to, to run. It's, it's a strange one, really. I, I've, I've never seen anything like it. Well, they'll have a more focused business, I guess. They won't have a kind of consumer products business to, uh, to kind of look at here. Um, maybe that's significant in a certain way. I'm interested in how these two businesses are going to be priced. I mean, Paul is somewhat doubtful about the kind of consumer products. Um, and I, I kind of share his suspicion about that. I think the really interesting stuff from Johnson & Johnson is the stuff that kind of ordinary consumers don't really see. The stuff that goes on behind the scenes with vaccines and robots and um, I think they also do some sort of joint replacement uh, stuff as well in their kind of devices area. But the thing that often commands a kind of sizable multiple, I mean, consumer defensive companies for what they're worth, especially ones that have brands and things that people have heard of, do tend to command quite interesting multiples, right? I mean, Procter & Gamble is fairly is on a PE of something fairly high. Um, the thing that you're thinking of letting go might come out and start to be kind of highly priced by the stock market i guess is that a consideration it could be it, it, it could be that you know this this is one of those splits that goes really really well i think they are splitting up the business from i think uh, well, the problem is i think that one of side of the business yes we'll have a focus but a lot of these are, are going to be minimum touch kind of products I, I can't imagine the ceo spends an awful lot of time thinking about listerine um because listerine sells itself it's one of the largest well-known well-known mouthwash brands around so all you need is a good marketing team and with a decent marketing budget and and i would assume that product almost runs itself um so yeah maybe focusing or or at least having a ceo focusing on both might reignite growth in both sides of the business um but i'm not certain this ever tends to work um but i'm i'd be very interested to see it happen they're yeah, the doing po- it though, right? The the yeah, there's a lot of splits at the moment. Um, but with the the consumer side of it, I, I'm trying to think about moat. You think about Johnson Johnson's moat on the pharmaceutical side and on the medical devices side, quite wide. Probably three to five years, probably longer than that. Could be closer to the ten years of moat there. On the brand side, having a nice brand or a, quite a lot of nice brands isn't a moat it's it's nice products and they can get eroded as uh time goes on so i'm i'm kind of dubious about it i'm i'm really kind of worried about it so i'm again i'm sort of might be convincing myself here to to come out think and then and then re-enter when uh when uh, the rest of johnson johnson comes back into a uh, a reasonable uh, valuation again because again the johnson johnson for the past god knows how many years uh, 10 years has outperformed the s p 500 and it's not at the moment which uh, is quite far behind actually since go- since the lockdowns and things so again something to something to think about valuation uh shareholder uh, shareholder love not getting a lot of shareholder love basically because of the, all the court cases and things like that Ah, dubious. Very, very dubious about this one. 
All right, uh, let's move on though <laughs> to the next one. Uh, I've got Macy's written down. So Macy's this week has massively shot up based on its earnings because it's had a really good comparison into uh, to the previous earnings, and it's actually destroyed its uh, uh, expected earnings. Earnings uh, of one point. $1.23 versus $0.31 cents expected and revenue of $5.4 billion versus $5.2 billion. In case anyone didn't know, Macy's is that lovely New York shopping center, kind of, dare I say, like a Primark of, of uh, it's probably a bit more <coughs> higher class than the Primark of, of the US, to be honest with you. But um, uh, basically, a, a big, a big uh clothing retailer as far as i can tell but i had a look at the price today i uh, look had a look at the price history and how how did we miss this one this is up since march 2020 it's up around 500 percent. how have we how this is like tesla level growth how have we how have we missed this one uh, sorry, I momentarily got distracted by my phone alerting me that Paul Briscoe has just published a new video on YouTube. Um, oh, anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, the the bot on the Briscord has uh, just alerted me to this fact, which is very helpful and good to know. Um, so Macy's. Uh, well, this kind of came to my attention during kind of peak pandemic when all the stores were closed and everything looked miserable. Uh, and to make matters worse for Macy's, they also got looted uh, in 2020, which kind of caused just outright damage that needed repairing. Um, and everything looked kind of grim for them. It appeared to be the case that kind of department store shopping was on the way out or was going to be a money loser for any amount of time. Um, this seems to be a case of just kind of missing an important uh, bit of negative sentiment in a certain way. I mean, Macy's is, you compared it to Primark. I don't know whether this point helps or harms that uh, comparison. You tell me either way, but it's a legitimate tourist attraction, right? I mean, people go to... Um, uh, visit Macy's, uh, like to see the place and uh, do their shopping there and so on uh, in ways that I'm not sure. I don't know. Do they with Primark? Maybe. Um, but uh, I'd be more surprised if people are doing that. It, it's more like a Debenhams, I think. <laughs> it's, it's more like a, a Debenhams. But like you say, good point pointing out the uh, tourist attraction idea because, yeah, last time I went to New York, everyone wanted to go to Macy's. So you've got a very, very good point. That was a long time ago, I must admit. But, um, yeah, very interesting. But what I, what I found recently is, is, is this earnings report seems to be a big comparison between now and 2020 is this going to boost any other stocks are there uh, are we just seeing a bit of sunshine here because it's um it's the stores opened up and we should expect we should just expect these earnings estimates to to grow and uh, is 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 the story too big and the price uh doing too well based on that story I think it looks like Macy's was priced to fail, and it didn't. Um, and I think that's kind of what we're seeing here. Macy's was supposed to go bust, and it didn't. And that's kind of what we're seeing now, is that Macy's has actually returned to um, some modicum of profitability, I assume. Um, so, yeah, that, that's re really, it's not a stock that interests me at all. I'm not sure if it's a stock that's on either of your, evidently not on either of your watch lists, because we've never spoke about it before. No. Um, but it's still... You know, it might be a bit of short-term short relief for what could be long-term pain. The, the thing is, though, it's, you know, it, it, uh, we were talking about these value plays, these deep value plays at the start, at when the lockdown started to happen. So you've got Carnival Cruises, you've got Disney, which did very well, Macy's. Um, any of those lockdown stocks now, Hertz, is Hertz now back on the cards to make a ridiculous comeback? Uh, is this just absolutely crazy or uh, have the Redditors really, really got behind something here and now Macy's is proving it? I think everybody's looking for the next, the next AMC and GAB at the moment, aren't they? I think we're still in that kind of manic phase where people think that they can find something and it'll run up four or five hundred six hundred percent and uh in a couple of days and you know i just think that 
that was probably a one-off event, um, especially for the the mass amounts of people that did make money off the back of that. Uh, there is an interesting CNBC documentary about this uh, coming out um, from a guy who's not in finance at all, but he's sort of studied the community and he's sort of sat and hidden the community and read about the people uh, who benefited from the GME and AMC movement. And it's, it looks like it's going to be a really interesting documentary, but um, yeah. I think that's generally where we are. I think everybody's just looking for the next big thing. That's an interesting point in comparison here. So I had a quick look and I saw the short interest on Macy's was quite high at the start of um, today when I looked. It was just over 15%. Uh, and when things that have a high short interest pop, um, you can sometimes find a bit of a squeeze and some pressure comes on some other things as shorts have to cover. I mean, I haven't looked into this very closely at all, but you wouldn't be surprised to learn that people were shorting this going into earnings. Yeah, it's interesting. It's... It's not a squeeze, though, is it? It's usually after a squeeze, there'll there'll be that that fall afterwards. But this has just gone up five hundred percent over the past year, and Jesus Christ, I don't know how how we missed this one. I, you know, I've, I'm just I just feel odd that I've actually just missed this one completely. I didn't even see the run up. Not that I was going to see the stock because I don't think I'd have invested in the stock, but it's the fact that I haven't seen this one like clambering in the background we've all been we've all been focused on tesla and rivian and god knows what else and macy's a, a department store is just doing perfectly at the moment uh, just an interesting tale it was, i thought it was something very interesting to point out that that we're missing them let's move on to the 13 f's the 13 f's what do we want to start off we're going to talk about Pabri. Burry and Berkshire, basically the three 13Fs that we're always interested in looking at. There's a couple of others, but these are these are the, the hardcore value investors. Um, what do you want to start with? Should we start with Berkshire and get it out of the way? Because there isn't an awful lot to see here. And then we can sure. try and get on to some of the more interesting stuff uh, from this one. So Berkshire's mainly sat still. Uh, they've been buying Chevron again, which I think maybe I was trying to figure out what the hell's going on here because they seem to be kind of in and out of Chevron every other quarter uh, a little bit. So they bought a load and then sold some and then sold some more and now bought some back uh, this time out. And I had a look at the oil price chart to work out if I could find any correlation to that and I got no real joy off it either. Uh, my instinct tells me that it may or may not be the same person selling and buying these out of um, Berkshire because... Uh, a lot of these moves here feel to me like not Buffett moves. They feel to me more like Ted or Todd uh, moves. But that was the major kind of bit of buying. There's some lightening up on the Big Pharma uh, stuff. So sales on AbbVie, on Merck, uh, on Squib, uh, which is um, uh, antithetical to everything that we think. Um, makes me want to throw away my Berkshire Hathaway t-shirt and buy another Squib one. Um, but... A couple of interesting sort of missing bits here. I didn't see them buying Verizon, which sort of surprised me slightly. I know it's a big holding for Berkshire, but they're nowhere near the kind of upper limit of what they can buy in that. They're only at 3.8% of the company. You can buy your way up to 10. And they spent quite a lot of time uh, fairly um, aggressively adding at what are higher numbers than this. They were buying at around 56. I think it's now at around 51 uh, there's clearly cash to do it. Um, ain't no one thinking that Berkshire doesn't have cash to deploy into something. So I did wonder quite what's stopping things um, there, but uh, there's nothing sort of huge to talk about on uh, Berkshire, I don't think. No, it's interesting. Cash position is like 140-something at the moment, is it? Still growing? It's yes. more, I think. Probably. Is it is even yeah. more than that? I, I, last I saw, I'm sure it was like 149, something like that. 149 billion on cash. Uh, he's going to buy himself quite a lot of Verizon with that, to be honest with you. But, uh, yeah, telcos are, are a bit dodgy. And, and recently we've seen a lot of, we've seen a lot of different, a, a different kind of investor from Warren Buffett recently is not as classic or at least what he te teaches in the in the lectures is is not exactly what he, he's been regularly trading as far as we can see buying in and out of different things taking a little bit from here uh bmy as well just losing a little bit it's um it's, that's in comparison to us who i assume you guys have been doing the same and loading up quite heavily on uh bristol myers squib recently uh bristol myers squib is for another video but have you guys been buying a lot of Bristol Myers recently? I've got a bit. Uh, it's uh, <clears throat> I haven't bought any for a short while, but um, I was tempted into uh, rounding up my 
share count to I think I took it to a hundred shares. I'm just going to double check that while I'm while I'm live. <laughs> I'm pretty um, sure I saw you on the Briscord walking around with your bat in the air as though you'd reached a hundred. I did, yes, I remember now, yes. So yeah, I am a hundred up on uh, Bristol. It's a fly in here and it's getting on my tits. No, I um, saw the fly. I saw the fly fly past your face and I was thinking, oh god, there we go. Yeah. So anyway, so I'm up to a hundred shares, Mr. Musk. I did buy a few more just to get it up to a hundred, and I would still buy it today. And I think it's uh, for me, it's still a screaming buy. I went through their investor presentation the other day, and uh, you, we'll talk about it on another show because these guys haven't read it and um, if you want to get excited about things that are coming that is the perfect the perfect way of doing it there was 140 slides you'll only understand about 10 of them um but it's a really interesting read just reading those 10 lovely uh so next up we've got pabrai pabrai uh manish pabrai uh i freaking love this guy i love his attitude um what, what's he been doing on his uh 13f that's been released he's, recently he's He's been day trading um, Barber terribly. Um, <laughs> basically, last I think it was last quarter he bought in at two two six, and he bought uh, around two hundred fifty thousand shares, and he sold seventy five or probably a bit more than seventy five percent of that off at we presume about one sixty five to sort of one seventy. So he's lost a decent chunk of money out of that. Uh, the hints as to why people kept saying they're thinking he's moving probably from the ADR listing to the Hong Kong listing and I beg to differ I listened to him speak in a recent interview where he was absolutely wax lyrical about Tencent um, he, he spoke about Tencent the way you speak about a lover and, um, <laughs> and I honestly think um, the next 13F if he hasn't bought a sizable percentage of Tencent. He made me want to buy Tencent just listening to him. <laughs> um, I, I, I think that's where his money's going. Uh, do you guys have... Sorry, are you saying it? he's been in and out of Tencent every day and twice at the weekend? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the other things are, he basically, he owns nearly all of Micron and he owns a bit more of Micron now. Uh, he didn't do anything with Seritage properties, um, which I don't even know what they do, to be honest, Steve. Uh, Seritage Growth Properties, the clues in the name, um, they, they they don't grow. They buy, uh, as they far as I can tell, they're a load of properties that... Uh, they own a load of properties, as far as I can tell, um, that currently generate almost nothing, uh, but they're extremely cheap at the moment, and if they can be turned around, they're a kind of... They're a deep value outfit from what I saw of them, as much as I understood, which is relatively little. By the way, do you know where all his Alibaba shares went? The bin. Uh, I think they went to Charlie Munger. Uh, oh, they're true, he yeah. bought a load of them last quarter. Uh, so that's where he's been true. selling them all, I would guess. Yeah, and uh, notably, um, Pabrai is famous for his cloning, uh, and he pretty much bought them just because of that. But he's been a terrible, terrible investor recently. He's just... Uh, Seritage, he's been done terrible on... Uh, for the past probably five years, uh, Manish Pabrai has been pretty terrible, kind of along the lines of Buff, Bori... Munger, all, exa all exactly the same. It's just been tough for value out there. So, with that in mind, going on to Michael Burry's 13F, um, wh what's going on? Has he made any money on Tesla or not? Good question. I mean, he's not likely to make any this quarter because he doesn't have his Tesla shorts anymore. Uh, I don't know exactly when he offloaded them. I don't know when he bought them. These things are not kind of publicly made available. Uh, there was a video from... Um, uh, new money uh, that was indicating that they thought it was at least possible uh, that he'd made some money along the way because Tesla shares had been up before it was, uh, or sorry, down rather before it was revealed that he'd sold his puts about a month ago. Um, but he doesn't have an awful lot now in this portfolio. This portfolio is a lot smaller than it used to be, and the stuff that's gone is in large part options one way or another. So uh, a quarter ago, he had put options on a Tesla in the U.S. Treasury. Um, he had call options on Facebook and Google. At the moment, he's pretty much out of options for the moment, and he's down to about six stocks in his U.S. holdings, um, I would point out. He's got other things that are based in Japan, Korea, and the U.K., I think. Come back to those in a moment. But the new thing he's added is Lockheed Martin, from what I can see. The biggest holding still CVS, um, and he's been just reducing some of his prison real estate. Uh, as well, for whatever reason. That was my rough takeaway from the US portion of it. Yeah, so I saw that as well. Geo Group down a little bit. Core Civic, I think, was the fourth biggest. Yep. And that's down a little bit as well. So uh, interesting. So it's for, for 
Bury, he sees the future as large pharmacy chains, defence and prison. <laughs> well, he's very right-wing, though, isn't he? Have, have you seen his tweets recently? They, they're they a lot more right-wing than I thought they would be. There's a lot of gun control stuff. There's a lot of... He's uh, uh, not the... He's not the personality that they build of him in the films, you know, of this, like, quite uh, charitable war. Not even charitable, as the good guy, basically, against it. Um, uh, not saying that... Oh, God. <laughs> but he's, he's just he's but, just very, very, very... Um, yeah, I know. Get uh, his just... off him. <laughs> <laughs> he's just... It, I was just so surprised. I, I was very surprised. But it, it is quite refreshing, some of the stuff he says. He's very honest and... He, He's very uh, sort of. Uh, uh, he's very vocal about Elon Musk, and I'm not sure how accurate he is uh, with with some of his tweets on that. It's it's pure hyperbole, whatever whatever he's talking about. Um, but I was interested to see that he's going away from the cigar but style of the prisons because that that really. I've talked about Geo Group at all, and it's pretty much just the valuation that's there. I don't know what the news is. I don't know how the news has changed on uh, prison reform in the US, but if it's going to stay the same as it is, as in with Biden's idea that uh, he's still going to knock out all the prisons or at least make them um, uh, bring them bring them into the government then that kind of destroys Burry's idea of what the, of the recovery play of the prisons. And it's, it looks like hard work because Geo Group has fallen even further since I last looked at it. Um, interested to see that he didn't want to go for Google anymore, though. That, that was a shame. No. So um, he said that the Tesla stuff, uh, the options trading, basically was just that. It was uh, trading and not to be thought of as a kind of long and into the distant future term play. You can never really tell with options. There are, you can get options that are dated for years in the future. Uh, so you could be thinking long term like that. Uh, but he is out of options entirely. He generally appears, as far as I can tell, uh, along with Pabri, for what it's worth, to be largely pivoting his holdings away from US holdings. Um, so there's not an awful lot. I got him as now between a quarter and a third uh, US exposed. Um his second largest holding in his full portfolio is actually a UK uh, stock. Do you, either of you know what it is? I had a look today. Is it Card no. Factory, which I don't understand it at is all? It's not Card Factory. Oh, right, okay. Nice try, Paul. Uh, no, that's significantly <laughs> further down the list. Is it? Um, so, hat tip to Starlight, by the way, on the Briscord, who put me onto this uh, with a video from Cooper's Academy. Um, and he mentioned that Card Factory was a Burry holding. That's perfectly true. Second largest. Steve, uh, you'll get this. Here we go. What's, which UK stock would you least like to own? GlaxoSmithKline. <laughs> no, it's not GlaxoSmithKline. It's worse than GlaxoSmithKline. Pays a bigger dividend. Aviva. No. Come on. Think worse. Well, it's got to be a mine in oil tobacco. Closer. Closer? Um... Oh. This is going on too long, this podcasting thing. No, it's Imperial Brands. Oh, shit. Imperial Brands, yeah. <laughs> uh, which Again. I always thought was Steve's least favourite stock in the world, but... I, well, I just I didn't think Burry... I've tried to think yeah. of... He's skittish, isn't he, Burry? He's really skittish at the moment. A lot no, of I thought was... maybe he just didn't understand what cigar butt investing meant. <laughs> no, I don't think he is skittish. I'm worried that he's too analytical and he's just going by the numbers and he's not considering the stories here at all. Uh, maybe he sees growth in these, but, uh, you know, if you do look at uh, British American Tobacco and Imperial Brands, there, there is growth there. Everyone does see very small growth there. It's just, uh, it's a horrible story, isn't it? And uh, I think Michael Burry seems to try to blot out the story and look at the numbers only. And that's why you end up with companies like Imperial Brands, like Card Factory, because, again, the, the story for Card Factory, for me, is very, very negative. I just see that as a as a really terrible uh, company to own that is going out of fashion. I don't... Unless it's going online or something silly like that. Again, the same with GameStop shouldn't be... GameStop shouldn't be in the situation it is right now, but it, it does have the opportunity to go online. But GameStop, you know, it, it was a dying, dying company, and there was no turnaround story there whatsoever. So 
I think I, I'm scared that someone like Michael Burry in this day and age is just looking at the PE ratio and going, that looks good and buying that. Could it be as simple as that? Um, maybe. Uh, uh, oh, I, mean, I, I don't really think it is. But uh, no. a couple of things that he owned until very recently were a couple of tanker companies. Um, and shippers do tend to trade on PE's ratios below three uh, in some of these cases. So he had Scorpio tankers and some other tanker company that I assume had a, a very, very low PE ratio. I mean, he does very much seem to be into... I guess the polite term for it is deep value. Um, the kind of pejorative term is cigar butt investing. Uh, the kind of um, even less polite term is shit stuff. Looking at lines, <laughs> looking at lines on uh, on Paul's favourite analysis website. But <laughs> yeah, all, all I would say with Burry is that the, the, my my one take from what he's doing is he seems to be putting it into stuff with quite large dividends. So for me, I think he's kind of putting into heavily beaten down stocks with quite large dividends, fairly steady priced or have already suffered a huge drop. Um, and I, it seems to me like he's just putting it there because he's putting his money to work. But his real goal is to wait for the market crash and to profit that way. I think I think that's how he's playing it at the moment. Yeah, again, it's, 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 it's an odd story. I, I, like you say, he does jump in and out of stocks a lot. But we'll leave it there because we've just uh, gone over our hour, I think. Thank you very much to everybody for watching. And I was supposed to tell you, Steve's, the Steve shouted at me for the start. I was supposed to tell you to like and subscribe on the YouTube channel and stuff like that. I totally forgot to do that at the start. But now, like and subscribe. Um, and also, if you listen to us on the podcast, feel free to give us a five-star rating and uh, all that sort of thing. That would be really lovely of you. Thank you very much for listening this week. And we'll see you next week. I'm amazed how many people own stocks. I'm amazed how many people own stocks. The sucker's going up.